Welcome aboard the Gamer Ship. I am your host, Captain Z. I'm Hyde. And I'm Sean. And tonight's episode is Mech Tech. We will be covering Armored Core, Chrome Hounds, and Daemon X Machina. Three games that these two gentlemen are a big fan of. There are a lot of mech games out there. And I'm going to have to uh, ask you guys, are, have you played other mech games beyond these three that I mentioned? Yes. I've done Gundam Side Story. There's been other Gundam games, such as Gundam Warriors. And there was also Mech Warrior way back before Armored Core that I played. Yep. But, I've played a lot of the different Mech Warrior series uh, on the Sega side of things. I played a lot of Virtual On, um, the original and the Dreamcast version. Um, and I have played the Dynasty Warriors Gundam games or Gundam Musa, whatever you want to call them. I try whenever I can to get my hands on a really well-paced mech game that has really good co uh, customization or just a good feel and speed to combat. Either or. Nice. And real quick, before we get too far in, gotta give a quick shout-out to, uh, to Sai. He would have been here tonight, but he's, he's tied up. He always tells me, you know, he holds the Asian stereotype for liking giant robots, so... <laughs> His words, not mine. No one come at me, alright? And I ask about these games because there are a, a great number of them. If you just, you know, do a quick Google search, you'll see MechWarrior, like you had mentioned. There's stuff like Titanfall, Hawkin. Um, the Gundam games. Is there Titanfall? Is there Titanfall? I can't believe I forgot to mention Titanfall. I'm wearing the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> all good. Well, compared to all these games, what makes Armored Core, we'll start with that one. What makes Armored Core, you know, different? What sets it apart? What's, what's so special to you about this particular game? And since you're the new guy, we'll let you go first. Take it away, man. Oh, so... For me, variation, collection, customization is everything. Being able to have self-expression in a game, especially one that deals with giant robots, whether you want to fire a swarm of missiles at your opponent, lay waste to them with rail cannons, lasers, or just four, eight Gatling guns going at once. Actually, only six. But just fire a hail of bullets at your opponent that... That was Armored Core for me. Just being able to have all those options available for you. But with all those variations come a lot of complications. And the game absolutely made things become very in-depth. But it becomes complicated if you look at it from far away. But once you really understand the system and dive into it, the whole swarm of parts, because you have your head, arm, core, legs, which can be either forward-facing, backward-facing, quadruped, or tank treads. You have your boosters, you have your generators. And a couple of games also had hover legs. The little hot yes. dog-looking legs that float. Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. And those were nice because you went sink below the water. But <laughs> And on top of that, you have all the weapon choices the fire control systems that you would use, the radiators, the generators, it, there's so much customization options that 
you lose yourself in hours. And like I find myself whenever I start a, if it was Dark Souls or Bloodborne, I spend so much time, even in Skyrim, and mm. let's keep that meme going, of <laughs> character customization. Just being yep. able to spend hours at a time just making your character look the way you want. You do that for mech just to specify it the way that you want that core to end up firing and fighting, whether it's a single mission or to fight a specific opponent online or AI that they have in the arena. That was Armor Core for me. It just provided limitless hours of variation, detail, and enjoyment for me. Nice. How about you, Sean? I mean, I think he said most of what needs to be said. Uh, I first picked up the game. Um, it was when you got your PlayStation 1, original launch model PlayStation 1. It came with a disc called PlayStation Picks, and that had demos for Tekken, uh, Twisted Metal, Wipeout, all these big games that would go on forever, and then Armored Core, all the way off on the end. Like, oh, what is this? And even with its very limited selection of parts you could change in that demo, I was already just like, this is really cool. I think this is honestly the game that started my love of min-maxing. Um, like you said, the customization in the game is wild. It is insane. It is dense. And most of the time that works to its benefits. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but that's really what it is. It is self-expression. It's art on the screen. First, you gotta get all the parts you want. Maybe you change out a part that's suboptimal because it looks a lot cooler. And then you spend hours painting it because the color, you had a full color wheel, dark light, all that. You could spend hours just painting each of these parts, each robot to make it look cool. Make, give, it all, give them all themes. For every Armored Core game, I would usually have like three or four mechs just not even because like, oh, I want this for this situation, that situation. Sure, a little bit of that, but it's mostly because I thought, man, how cool can I make a quadruped spider robot like, <laughs> that does yes. certain things? Or like, yeah, it's it's really just a level of uniqueness to each robot that I haven't seen in a game since. And as much as I love other robot games, like I'm wearing a Titanfall shirt, and Titanfall is a fantastic game. Titanfall 2 is an underrated game, and everyone who didn't play it should be ashamed. But Titanfall 2 was, all, was way more gameplay-focused, which is fine. But just sitting on the back end creating for hours, maybe even more time than you actually spent playing, that's kind of the joy of Armored Core. And that doesn't sound like fun to some people, but I know some people are very interested because of that. Yeah, and I'm going to ask a few noob questions because I myself have not played armored core but um can you make like as many mechs as you want or are you limited by like resource collection how does that work so you unlock parts as you go throughout the game a lot of them are just available in the store and you just have to have the money to buy them once you get to that point some parts you will find by defeating enemies in the main storyline some parts are hidden in missions in classic older Japanese game style. You gotta explore every nook and cranny, and if you missed it in a mission, you can't ever go back. Sucks to be you. <laughs> you can go back after you like you beat the game, I believe, and explore mm -hmm. missions. Yeah. Um, and some of the best weapons were hidden off in corners, maybe defended by a really powerful enemy AI. Um, but then you had a limit. I can't remember what the limits were, but once you got all the parts, you're only limited really by the number of save slots, and I can't couldn't yep. tell you what that was for each game. Um but it did let you have a nice little 
stable of mechs to build. Yeah. I I do remember that I had a memory card for my PlayStation 2 specifically to have just my armor cores that I end up making because whether it was a it was a pink Mantis scyther looking mech that I just ended up using the dual laser blades and dash around <laughs> as fast as I could stabbing and swiping or why am I not surprised one... you love that build <laughs> <laughs> or one that just ended up firing missiles and blotting out the sky that there, there was so many to be there and on the topic of like the hidden weapons that were there I mean from software has one of its favorites that has made its way in every single souls game that started in armor core Actually, it may have been a different game before, but Moonlight. The Moonlight. Yeah, that's, I, I believe that's Armored Core first. The Moonlight Laser Blade. Oof. 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 The strongest that you could get. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorites to end up finding. Ah. So you mentioned PlayStation 1. Was that, that was the very first Armored Core that came out? Mm-hmm. So I would say these games have been core. going on for a while, which you mentioned one that is in development. Is what what number is that? So we are hoping for one in development. It hasn't been officially announced, uh, but basically since the Soul series took off, Miyazaki, the creator, has constantly kind of hinted at him enjoying the series and him wanting to do a revival. And then recently, right before Elder Soul or Elden Ring, it's Elder Souls, Elden Ring is <laughs> launching. There was a bunch of uh, media dropped and a customer survey asking people like what they wanted to see and about the visuals of a potential new Armored Core game. So now it seems pretty solidly in people's minds that like, oh, this is pretty much going to happen because once a director has this much clout, assuming Elden Ring does as well as it's just going to do, he'll probably have a ticket to do whatever game he wants, and it seems like he wants to do this one. Nice. Well, if it comes out for PC, I'll be all over it, guys. (laughs) And it can be my first play. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, it it definitely, if it ends up keeping some of the later systems where you end up having arenas and online lobbies and battles, oh, there's so much, so much depth to the game and so much fun to be had, not just in single player, but in multiplayers. I mean, in this, in this day and age, it has to, you couldn't, you couldn't have a game like that without having the online customization, the online battles. And I think you asked how many games there are and... So there are like five mainline games and Mm -hmm. each of those has at least one expansion. Some of them have two. Then there are some portable games. um, And then from software got to make a Japanese only mech crossover game called another centuries episode, which, you know, anime is very complicated in terms of rights in Japan versus America. This is a game that never came to America because all the American companies couldn't agree on rights. But in Japan, they were all just like, whatever, throw our games in the same game. We don't care. So yeah, Full Metal Panic, Gundam, everybody coming together in this beautiful mismatch. And because it was made by From Software, they included as one of the last villains uh, Nineball, who is one of the villains of the Armored Core series. I think he pops up in two, maybe sooner. But after his appearance in two, he pops up a lot. Grand total, I want to say there are at least 13, maybe even up to 15 Armored Core games. There's a lot. There's just, there's too many. Yeah. 
I would have been way again, off. Thank- <laughs> Thankfully, the games came out before the concept of DLC. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they definitely would end up making that a huge expansion pack after expansion pack on more mm-hmm. parts, more parts, and I would be sold on all of those. <laughs> <laughs> Broke. <laughs> give me the give me the season pass. Let me just end up playing whatever comes out from this. Uh. Yeah, right on. So it sounds like um there was a good balance of single player, multiplayer. It sounds like Arena was almost like a challenge based single player mode. That's what it sounds like. Is that correct? Yeah. So Arena would end up allowing you to end up choosing the battlefield, which you could customize your mech to have an advantage against the opponent's AI mech. Mm-hmm. And you could also end up doing split screen up until four, which allowed you to end up doing some online multiplayer, which was the then most common thing. But Armored yeah. Core 2 was where I had the most of my time spent. And honestly, a lot of the time, you'd end up figuring strategies out that would work to end up being the AIs, AIs just so you could get the emblem, just so you could get the parts and the credits, to end up buy more stuff for your mech. I still remember using the cheapest boosters, boosting to the very top of a building where the AI could not reach me and She's my way through with vertical missiles raining down from above. But sometimes you really want to end up having those up-close battles and see who can end up surviving the most hits and just get the shots in up-close and gain those those pontine skills down, which unfortunately later, later on became very, very difficult to end up replicating and making more like smooth and streamlined. In typical from software fashion, Armored Core is hard as balls. Um, <laughs> this game will push you to your breaking point and then keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So, getting in, figuring out the cheesy weapons that the AI can't deal with quite as well, figuring out the best spots on the level, it's basically vital. And part of that is just, you know, they like hard games, but part of that is just, you gotta remember, Armored Core is a series that launched on PlayStation 1. The original PlayStation 1 controller did not have dual analogs. So you're playing a game where you have to aim, fly, boost, shoot, all of these things on a system with has that has a D-pad, four buttons, and some shoulders. Shoulders, yeah. This it'll give you a carpal tunnel. Playing this game correctly and being able to strafe perfectly and move is extremely difficult. Even in newer incarnations, it's still not easy. But when they're programming an AI, it doesn't have all those problems. It hand it, The AI's hand doesn't hurt because it's been playing this game for five hours. Mm-hmm. So it's able to go up and down and all around you in ways that a regular human really could not tangibly do. Certainly not before two analogs. Obviously later as the games went on and it started incorporating that newer control scheme more. But I said even then there's so much verticality and speed to these games. And it just got faster as it went along, at least up to four. Then five, I think, slowed it down a little again. But they're not easy games to play. They're very easy games to pick up and just make a robot and just 
oh yeah, I'll play. And then you get to the customization level where it's like, okay, now I really got to min-max what weapons I'm using and my armor and my firing control system and my missile defense. I've got to make sure... Oh, we didn't even talk about missile defense. That's another stat. You got to make sure all of that's down. Before you get to that, I was was going to say, it it was giving you the the true human pilot versus machine experience. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 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 <laughs> it's used with your regular fleshy human brain and frail human hands trying to match right. an AI that does not care what gravity is like or d- oh. it's gonna just roll all around and it's tough uh, gameplay is like it, like I said it's it's the last thing you tend to master after min-maxing your mech and really getting the movement controls and I think the creator of part 5 said like there was a special way to hold the controller to get the most authentic experience, some weird sideways thing. It's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> but it's rewarding. If you stick with it, mm. it feels good. And I guess From Software has always been good at that, just making you hate everything. But then once you really get it, mm. just feeling like you're just, ah, I'm awesome. I'm the best. <laughs> I did enjoy that feeling because. It would always end up, I usually, whenever I end up trying to end up beating a new opponent in arena, at least I remember two the most because I sunk the most time into it. And three, I would always end up like switching between two extremes. I go with the extremely light mobile mech to end up moving around, see how much I could end up doing against the opponent. And then I'd switch to, I have a tank. I'm going to end up seeing if I can full on. I do as much to you as you can to me and see if I'm closer at being you this way. And then I try and like slowly gradiate myself down to, okay, I need to be a little bit lighter. I need to have a little bit more armor. I need a little bit more firepower. Uh, That's the dance. And sometimes you really just do need to have a knockdown drag out. Um, Again, going with the AI, especially some weapons are going to have more stunning power against it than others. So sometimes you're like, okay, this guy is too fast. I can't roll with him in terms of speed, so I'm just going to get a tank, hunker down, and slow him down as much as possible, and I have so much more HP than him that I can land enough hits before he can just run circles around me and kill me. Sometimes that's just what you got to do. And also choosing your battles, because if you end up saying, hmm, this guy can go around everywhere, I'm a tank. I'm going to move myself into this one entrance area you're going to end up having a single moment to end up coming into this area, and I'm going to unload everything in, mm-hmm. and we're going to see if you can survive. And Sean, I cut you off before. You were, you were going to get into the, what was it, the missile defense system? Right. So, as Hyde pointed out earlier, you can get missile launchers on your shoulders that get to the point where you're just launching hailstorms. You can have direct fire missiles, you can have missiles that launch in the air and split into more missiles, or you can have missiles that launch in huge volleys and like vertical arcs that come down on your opponent, or even to the side as sort of a pincery thing uh, in later games. There's lots of different varieties of missiles, and because these things are homing, they can be a bit unbalanced when it comes to, you know, I'm able to just lock onto you and launch all these missiles at you. There's a lock-on time, but that can be uh, lowered by picking the right fire control system. So there's another system, I think it's called VS system, something to that effect. Basically, Mm -hmm. your core shoots out little red lasers every so often that can knock missiles out of the sky. Mm -hmm. 
So instead of just getting swarmed constantly by missiles that that are locked on and this, the person isn't really aiming very well, you can have an, a core that helps you better defend against that. Now, you still have to dodge because it's not going to pick off all of them, but it'll give you enough of a avenue where you can dart around and get between all the nonsense yeah. or at least mitigate the damage if you're a tank and you can't dodge in earlier games. Later games introduce ways for tanks to be able to at least uh, move with split-second timing. And some of those options, the core has its own built-in, but that depends if you're building using a certain type of core. Some don't have it, and they're more built to have energy defense, which there are two types of weapons. There's the hard things, such as missiles and shells. Some are more hard defense, and some are more energy defense. You have your lasers and beam sabers and the like. Mm -hmm. There's also extensions that you can put onto the arms, which can end up automatically end up firing at missiles within range but it also ends up requiring to be within a certain range to end up activating so there's also internal weapons so you can drop decoys you can drop flares there's a lot of ways to end up dealing with missiles but they are one of the most effective means of gain a guaranteed hit and mm -hmm. also when you're doing missions there are so many flying floating Difficult to end up hitting Emmys, and without missiles, you're nearly guaranteed to end up running out of options. Mm -hmm. Again, without dual analogs to look up and down, you're using, I believe, R2 and L2 to do this and mm. this, which works, but it's very slow. In some missions, you can't be slow. So you end up. I imagine back in the day, you can't adjust the vertical speed at which you. You no. move up and down. No, that yeah, right? sensitivity. Yeah. No horror. <laughs> no, no. That's on high space. This is like, 1995. Oh, <laughs> Actually, from software does one better for you. You get to end up choosing the mo the mobility of your arms because arms in Armor Core three and up had a mobility set, which was your ability to end up moving up and down, left and right, and aiming. So the faster, the higher mobility your arms had, which also was dependent on your weight of your weapon, that ended up affecting how fast you could end up targeting and moving around and using the right FCS, fire control system. That really is set up whether or not you'd be successful or not. Mm -hmm. Good realistic weight there, you know. The, and that's, the guns. Where, that's where you run into trouble and also where you run into the beauty of it, right? Because in my experience, you have two kinds of mech players. You have the sim mech players. We'll call this the Steel Battalion crowd. They want to feel like we're in a cockpit. We've got a whole, we've got multiple keyboards to control this thing. We want everything to be hyper realistic. I want to check the oil and the lubrication on each part. I want to make, I want to check the heat of each individual. I want all of that. Don't forget the windshield wipers. And don't I forget the windshield that. wipers. If you have bad windshield fluid and your your shit gets smeared, you're done. You're just done. Yep. You want people who want every single detail. And then you have people, we'll just call them for the sake of moment. Let's go with the virtual on crowd. You want fast gameplay. You want the cool. You're not really looking for all this super, oh, this one's heavy and... If my legs are too, if my weight's too heavy, then my legs can't handle my weight when I land, and I have a longer pause when I land, which is a thing in Armored Core, for the record. If you're flying and your mech is too heavy and your legs are too light when you land, you have a long ugh, superhero pose before you get up. 
and that's enough time to kill you. <laughs> um, so people, there are people who don't want that. You just want the fast-paced action shooter. And I think as Armored Core went on, it had a harder and harder time figuring out which audience to appeal to, how to split the difference, and how to keep new, how to keep old players while also hopefully attracting new players. And that's tough because you don't know who the bigger audience is. Steel Battalion was a huge game at the time, but it was huge in a niche way, especially was, once you got to the really expensive setup. Um, I love love that. Sorry, I got into champion. No, I I I had Steel Battalion. I played it, and it it had that realistic difficulty where if you die, there was a escape button. There was the emergency eject because if your mech was starting to go down, your VT, your vertical tank. You had to escape. Otherwise, game <laughs> over. That's it. You got a a memorial screen for your character's name, and that was it. You couldn't continue. It didn't matter if you completed three missions. That was the end of it. I got to, I believe, mission six, and that is as far as I ever got to the game because I had to evac I had to eject from two different mechs. And then I was left with not enough funds to end up getting a new mech, and I had to just stop. And those difficulties, while they can be like enjoyable for those that want the full experience, I completely understand that they are hampering for any other audience to want to end up getting into and having fun with the game. Because what is fun for those that want to end up being completely, utterly destroyed, defeated, and challenged is miserable for a large group of people. Mm -hmm. Now, the good news is that From seems to have found that hardcore audience now in the Soul series, but can you translate those people back into Armored Core or into Armored Core for the first time? That's going to be tricky, even for a really good game developer. With Armored Core, with Dark Souls, you can die a million times, and the penalty for death is relatively limited, right? As long as you can go back and get your stuff. For Armored Core, whether they keep this or not, it's not just about win, lose, win or lose. You can pass a mission, but still not make any money because the way it works is your reward for the mission has deductions. Every piece of ammo, every bit of damage you take, even collateral damage in certain missions can all deduct from your total. So you can think that you finally beat this mission. Oh, I'm so great. You owe us $300. Good job, mercenary. Sorry, the mercenaries in our crawl are called ravens, so I'm going to call them ravens. Good job, raven. Uh, pay up. It's hard as sh It's punishing. And for the average person, that's going to be really, really hard to get through. Um, not I'm actually even hoping they come out with this game now, because now I'm now I'm <laughs> feeling like I'm into it. That sounds pretty sick. You got to yeah. be efficient. You can't just be yeah. sloppy with your gameplay. You got to be efficient. Mm -hmm. That's right. You've really got to get in there. You've got to make your shots count. And you, yeah, you can take the big, bad, best, awesome weapon in the game. This missile that goes really slow and homes in really well. And if it hits something, it does a shit ton of damage and blows everything up. Each of those nukes is half your goddamn weekly salary. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. don't, though. And this is where I'd like to introduce you to Solar Powered. Enjoy the Kurosawa energy mm. rifle and all the laser oh. weapons that you can use that completely do not use any funds. Mm -hmm. But then again, hope that you end up not running out of energy at a very important time because when you get to zero, 
you have a very, very long recharge time. And that walk of shame while you're getting pelted Ooh, with bullets yeah. till you get behind a building. Oh, that that is <laughs> that's not not something you want, especially no. if you have to hover over water. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about energy, because that's important. Like you said, energy weapons do not spend rounds. So theoretically, seems like the best way to go, right? Well, energy weapons take your energy reserves, which is the same pool that your boosters pull from. So on the side of the screen, you have a meter. The meter drains as you use your boosters or as you use energy weapons. As long as you don't completely deplete that meter, it will charge relatively quickly depending on your generator, which is another thing. Your generator is the power source for your mech. You can have all the best parts in the world. If you have a crappy generator, your energy will recharge very slowly. Even if you have a good generator, high-end parts tend to take more energy. So you can have all the best parts slapped on a mech, but even the best generator might not be able to power all of those really good parts, at least not particularly quickly. And you always want to be able to stay moving, but you never want to completely deplete your energy meter, because if it's completely depleted, everything is shut down in terms of energy weapon and boosters. You are walking very slowly in a giant mech that walks like a giant mech. None of your energy weapons work, so I hope you brought at least one shell weapon. You don't have your laser sword, you don't have your beam rifle, you don't have anything. So you really have to be careful with that and not get overzealous or panicky, particularly with energy weapons. Now, the energy weapon he specifically brought up was a Karasawa, which in most of the series is the most broken thing <laughs> on yeah. the planet. Per shot, the it, it used a fair amount of energy, but it did inordinate amount of, da inordinate amount of damage per shot. Huge range, just super accurate. It is disgustingly powerful, and I'm glad they eventually toned it down. Yeah, but man, for so much of that series, that weapon dominated because no energy cost in the world could offset the fact that it would just punch holes in any mech in its way. Oh, it's gross. There's a reason it and the Moonlight are on the featured the cover mech of Armored Core Two. Mm -hmm. That that was the rifle that I searched. I didn't find it on my first playthrough of the game. I searched and hunted every every area. And back when you actually had gaming magazines and also demo discs that you could end up searching for, you eventually end up deciding to end up breaking down, look through, and find, oh, this is a level that has it. After how many hours of hunting and combing through snow levels and flying underneath oil platforms. All sorts of weirdness. Like, it's it, and we talk a lot about Armored Core's uh, gameplay. It's important to note that it did have a reasonably okay story. And again, you see a lot of From Software's roots in this. Is that in that the story is not necessarily thrown at you. There's a lot of level details you kind of have to pay a lot of attention to to get the story. You get a lot of emails between missions, but you don't have to read them, and they don't ever really paint the full picture of each character's motivations or the story as a whole. It's really nice. There's even missions in a couple games with like horror elements because you're supposed to go oh, check out an abandoned factory and like there's not a lot of enemies. It's just radio static, occasional voice of an enemy or some somebody who sounds like they're really sad and far away. Again, another from software staple. You're talking to somebody and they're just, you must move through the darkness. Oh, really low. <laughs> 
and then occasionally children are giggling on your radio, and it's hard to make you feel a little unnerved in a giant mech, but there it is. They did a good job of that. These are entire levels with, like, one enemy at the very end, and you're just like, what did I just play? What did any of that mean? And I just, I really like that kind of storytelling in the context of a game like that. Because the spiritual successor to Armor Core, at least one of them, Damon X Machina, does the opposite. And we can talk about that. And oof. This is less I, is more. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I want to end up mentioning that during the time period when I was introduced to the Armor Core series, I was pretty much, I would equate my Armor Core fanness to Godzilla in the terms of I want to see the big giant mech, I want to blow stuff up. I want to end up seeing all this awesome stuff happen. All the story elements, all the emails, so much of that was wasted because I end up wanting to end up going through and just blast through everything. I didn't care about the human element when I was younger and like that. And now <laughs> when you bring it up, I'm like, oh gosh, that was what I was missing all those years ago because I just want to end up getting to the next <laughs> mission. <laughs> Just to talk about the story in broad strokes, the series has been rebooted story-wise a couple times, mm -hmm. which you wouldn't even necessarily realize, because the broad strokes of the story is pretty much always the same, and relevant to today. Uh, basically, it exists in a world where corporations rule everything. It's all about the ultra-rich. Usually they take place in some kind of post-apocalypse, where humans have to live underground or something similar. And you have mega-corporations that hire you, a mercenary called a raven, to conduct missions for them so they don't necessarily have to get their hands dirty in sabotaging other corporations or killing civilians or whatever their goal happens to be um and like i said the plot changes slightly from game to game but it's always some version of that this corporation is trying to take over this corporation has found the mega technology this corporation has figured out how to terraform mars it's always just corporations sniping at each other and using you as the vehicle with which they do it yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. I'm just the pawn. I'm just the pawn in their game. <laughs> is there... Yeah, before we jump on to, to a different game, is there any other topics that you guys want to bring up before we go to the next one? Well, I do want to end up mentioning with Armored Core how it ended up gradually breaking into a little bit more online gameplay, but that ended up coming out after one of the spiritual successors end up making that break onto the 360 and kind of end up setting up a more where you can have your mech or core, but it's going to be in a class. It had a specific style, so they kind of end up design. We liked what Armor Core did, but we're going to end up making it so that there's their own roles that they play within a team or a group. I don't actually end up knowing a better way to end up looking at a team element based mech game, or I can't think of another one than this next one that I was just like blown out of the war with. And I really wish had a greater fandom for, but it laid the groundwork for Armored Core 4 and 5 online sort of ideas that were coming around. Five especially was very, 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 very team-based, and I didn't know that was because of Chrome Hounds, uh, because you had you had Armored Cores one, two, and three, wrong PlayStation One and PlayStation Two. 
Armored Core 4 was the first one on 360 PlayStation 3. Or no, yeah. Armored Core 1, 2, and 3, PlayStation 1, 2. PlayStation 3 was Armored Core 4 and 360. That was the first one that did online. But they mm-hmm. went the opposite direction from what Chrome Hounds would later do and what Armored Core 5 did, which they really tried to speed everything up, uh, make yep. the gameplay a bit more arcadey, which sounds good on paper, but the problem is they also layered on a lot more mechanics there are like now four different kinds of boosters and it just gets real real tricky they added kojima particles because i guess someone's a real big fan of hideo kojima um, which act as both a shield and an offensive maneuver that then depletes your shield so you kind of have to pick and choose your spots where to use it and it just and i think the shield is called primal armor or something it gets a little too complex where again you want to add new mechanics to a franchise that's going on that long, but again, when your franchise is already that damn dense, you gotta watch how you do it. When you already have a game that hurts to play and hold the controller correctly, and now you've gotta learn another couple functions on this same set of buttons. It's like, okay, well... I mean, I can yeah. do it. <laughs> I don't want to, but I can. And again, that's that really fine line, and I'm not sure exactly how to walk it, and I'm interested to see how they're going to walk it should they create another game. I don't know what they're going to do. So Chrome Hounds came in... Is it was kind of, like kind of in the middle of the Armored Core series, or...? It came in a little bit after Armored Core 3, I believe. Somewhere in there. I, may, I may be off on that, but it came out... When 360 was still, like, it was beginning, it was starting to get a decent game base with a decent selection of games that you could play. And Xbox Live was starting to end up being very, very common. And there had not been, and this was important for the game, there had not been a out of, there had been a chat function unless you were in-game. Like, if I was playing Halo with friends, I could only talk to them through my headset through Halo. I could end up using, say, TeamSpeak or Discord. Those were not options back then. Now, this ended up making Chrome Hounds a bit unique in the way that it played. It had a bit of territory elements to it because when you start the game, you are trying to end up either destroying a base of the opposing team, protect your base, but you have no radio communication unless you have what's known as a commander. Commander has this giant satellite dish or sort of radar on them. If you're within range of a radar dish, you can speak and hear the voice of the other person there. You can communicate. Now, there are radar dishes throughout the levels that you can capture and use to end up spraying communication and see where Emmys are, Not that you wouldn't be able to see them if you're on the top of the hill, but you have a way of communicating. So this ended up making a team-based, a lot slower-paced game than Armored Core 3 was, and Armored Core 4 wanted to really end up saying, hey, we're the fast, awesome, overly zealous kid on the block, but Chromounds is saying, hey, remember that idea of having like corporations fight over everything? No, you're one of these three nations that are weakly fighting for control and dominance of this territory. And that was something that really was a gripping thing for me with Chrome Mounds. And Armored Core 5 
kind of ended up taking a little bit of no from that because they had a online system where you were fighting over territories and fighting over places with a group of squad members and you would mm-hmm. fight over territories just saying like oh this is one that's being contested we're going to fight it that was something that kept me coming back to the game over and over and over so yeah even in the single player for armored core 5 you were placed in a squad that you could give limited commands to in order to take your missions and in armored core 5 the levels were like i don't know if the levels were bigger or you were smaller but armored core 5 had you were basically fighting very more a lot more like tactical warfare almost urban you can go down alleyways you were taking cover it was much more it was as rainbow six as you can get in a giant mech you're not just rolling around doing the super cool booster thing i mean you could but your boost capacity was a lot more limited and intentionally so because you're both basically supposed to be using your boost to get from point to point and not just being a constant sliding gliding bullet storm and that was interesting. I think it works in a way, but again, it takes it away. F- it takes something away from franchise fans who didn't quite want to play that game, which is why mm-hmm. Armored Core Five and its sequel, Verdict Today, end up being pretty much the last of the Armored Cores. Um, it really just couldn't strike that perfect balance between um, keeping its old audience and attracting anybody new. Was there just one Chrome Hounds? Yes, the I don't think that there has ever been a sequel to it and a lot of the tactical gather the communication towers have someone as a commander on your team to like point out where the enemies are and see them a lot of that got lost when xbox voice finally ended up making it so that you could set up a party and then all of a sudden the entire mechanic of the game of hey you can only communicate when you have this radar set up that was no longer needed But it had a very strong setup. You could end up having a commander, you could have a heavy, a soldier, a scout, and there was another that was very much like a middle between a long-range sniper or missile sort of person. But it fit a very, very nice middle ground for me of if you want to end up having a squad-based game or really lean into one direction, because... A lot of people found interesting strategies. There was a scout rush where everyone would line up a bunch of very fast very fast mechs and just rush and try and find the enemy base before anyone could get communications up. And then there were times where the map was very small, and if you had a really, really large radar, you could actually end up seeing where the enemy base was and just lay volleys from a heavy at a certain angle, because I remember this map very specifically, I would end up setting up four heavy turrets, angle it straight up, and then fire six shots, their base was destroyed. I only needed to know the direction of it. But there was a lot of things that end up leading to with the voice coming in, without enough people joining in on the game, and with a slower pace than people may have been used to, Chrome Hounds really ended up struggling to end up keeping an audience that was as, well, hardcore as those for Armor Core. It almost sounds like, since it's from the same studio, that maybe it was kind of like an experiment game 
and then it almost it, it it's unfortunate because it sounds like you really enjoyed some of these mechanics and then like the advancement of technology kind of ruined it <laughs> you know because then it's like well crap now we can't go back you know and and cut off communication from like you know xbox live or whatever it was you know to to fix it well i mean there there's still the opportunity instead of needing to have that the idea that you had no way of seeing where the emmys were on the map there were urban levels like in armor core 5 where you really couldn't see where the opponents were unless they were in a really tall mech or if they had legitimately just been boosting themselves on top of a building you would have to end up going down mainline streets and look to your left and right all a bit very slowly and pray that you end up getting the first few shots in. But yeah, it definitely, it could end up reviving or maybe an armor core. If there's a, another armor core, it could end up taking a couple of the notes from it. But I think armor core, if there's a six one, definitely has all the tools to be able to end up making something that far surpasses what Chromounds originally had set out for. Yeah, right so on. The question is, what do, which direction are they going to go? And nobody knows yet. <sighs> well, anything else before I pass it over to Sean here, and he can, he can take the reins with Damon X Machina. When you mentioned Kojima particles, I forgot to mention Zone of the Enders, Zone of Enders, <laughs> because I believe that is where that little fondness ended up coming in. Probably. I don't think that I don't think that is any like. I believe Miyazaki knew what he was doing with a nod to that. Oh yeah, I mean Zone of the Enders is an amazing mech game, and definitely way more on the arcade battle side of things. Zone of the Enders is fast, it's frenetic, it's beautiful. Um, and when you look at Damon X Machina, which has some of the old Armored Core team, uh, the creator of Damon X Machina was a producer on Armored Cores 2, 3, maybe 4. Mm. Um, it definitely takes more inspiration from that, in that it's more anime and cel-shaded style than oh. Armored Core's very, very gray and brown palette. <laughs> it's very industrial. Like I said, a lot of games take place literally when humans have moved underground. So I love Armored Core. It's not the most artistically striking game in the world. It is, it's grim. It's, you <laughs> choose how colorful and bright and vivid your mech is. That's Don't let the world be dark, gloomy, and gray, but you can be a green, energy, pink, Blade-wielding Scyther bot, and you have fun. You can have a purple lightsaber and a yellow smiley face on a pink mech in a very brown and gray world and get <laughs> shot to death. But that's your shot! <laughs> You're gonna get shot to death anyway, so you might as well go out in style. Hey, if there is a mech that is still around and kicking that is bright pink, there's someone to be worried about. <laughs> Be There's a reason. Guy. <laughs> that guy's got something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got the juice. So, Damon X Machina. If you are an Armored Core fan, I will say right up front, you should play Damon X Machina. It mm -hmm. originally launched on the Switch as an exclusive. It had a demo that didn't do so well, but what the demo did brilliantly was that it was actually a playtest demo 
where the directors of the game and the creators of the game took a lot of notes of things that people didn't like and changed the main game, expanded the area so there was less out of bounds. It's almost mm. impossible to go out of bounds in the main game, change the way the boosters and controls work. It is a lot of fun. Um, if you're looking for a mech game with that level of customization, like the same as Armored Core, where there's a couple dozen heads, couple dozen chests, couple dozen arms, weapons, hundreds of weapons, it's Damon X Machina. You will mm. see a lot of similarities there. Even in the mecha designs, you're going to see a lot of pieces that look like some of the armors and cores that you had back in the Armored Core days. Now, the biggest difference, at least for me, as I, I started on this earlier, is the story. In Armored Core, less is more. The story is sparsely given to you. It's not super important. You'll have a couple missions where someone will talk to you and tell you what's going on. You'll have a handful of emails that you can read or not read. And Blow shit up and get money, right? Exactly. <laughs> Blow shit up and get money. As our friend Hyde did. Damon X Machina takes a different approach. Anime is very popular now. It is very anime-inspired. It has an amazing voice acting cast. The problem is, Damon X Machina, gameplay-wise, is maybe about 10 hours. It will probably take you 20 hours to beat it, because every single mission is broken up by really, 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 really long cutscenes. Oh. This is a game where all of the other characters, you have a bunch of other characters, you have a bunch of teams like entire teams of five to ten people that all pilot their mechs and have their own stories. And you get to in you get introduced to all of them. They all have their own backgrounds, their own stories, their own interpersonal relationships with each other. And you will get introduced to those in one mission and then maybe get one more mission with those characters and then you will never see them again. There are entire plot lines where you will have to spend 45 minutes watching cutscenes, getting introduced to, getting set up, and then you won't see them again. They had no idea what they were doing when they made the story for this game. It is frustrating <laughs> to muddle through. Like, the gameplay is so fun, but the story is such a drag. And it does one of those things I really, really hate, where they pointlessly... When you set up a universe... You want to set up your own original universe, that's fine. But as much as possible, you want to try to use terminology that people already know. We talked about this in our JRPG discussion. Yeah, every fantasy world has orcs and elves, but there's a reason you put those, because people know the general gist of it when you say what an elf is. And from there, you can say, well, our, our elves are actually almost plant-like, and they can eat flesh to gain memories, like in Divinity. Or you can have Dragon Age, where elves aren't, like, living in trees and high and haughty. They're like a slave class. Like, But we know what an elf is at its basic level. If I were to ask you, gentlemen, right now, in a game with robots that are controlled by computers that are attacking you, what does AI stand for? What do you think AI stands for? Artificial intelligence. Oh. You're wrong. Why would it stand for artificial intelligence? <laughs> That'd be crazy. It's arms of immortals, because the immortals are the alien technology that has taken over the computers and forced the computers to... You see, that's nonsense. <laughs> that's nonsense. If you need an encyclopedia to follow the story of a game, you've done something wrong. And that's done. where Damon X Machina really falls on its face. Now, all of that said, 
Damon X Machina then leans towards the arcade style, really fast gameplay. You can spend an armored core, you have to watch your energy, and you kind of do in this game too, but you can spend the entire match in the air because just basic hovering flight does not cost anything. Now, when you really want to move and boost around, that's going to cost you. But for the most part, you have free reign of control. It's a very three-dimensional game. It's got dual analog sticks, so of course you have your freedom of movement. You can have various fire control systems that might give you a wider field of view for lock-ons, but maybe you can't see as far. The customization is there. It's fast. It's frenetic. It's fun. There is a pointless secondary system where you can actually get out of your mech and walk around on foot and do things that way, but it's not fun or good, and you shouldn't do it because you'll die. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about, I think, when Hyde was telling his story about how he ran out of funds. I was like, man, just get out of the mech, you true man versus machine style. <laughs> just march right in, dude, you know? 1v1, <laughs> bro. Come on out. I can say safely that my first, like, five hours of this game, the most the biggest use of the get out of mech button was just getting me killed because I'd accidentally hit it and get out of my mech. Oh no! <laughs> I couldn't even, I used it so little that I couldn't even remember what button I hit to get out of it. So now I'm scrambling on foot trying to get back into my robot. <laughs> Please let me back in. <laughs> oh god, I'm gonna die. I don't know why. And there's, it's not even just that you can get it. Like you're, while there is much less customization to your human character, there is an entire skill tree for your human character. You can have mines and traps. You can power up your gun. You have jet boosters. The people who pilot mechs in this game are called outers because, of course, they can't just be pilots. Outers are can be cybernetically outfitted to better control their mech or to have special abilities outside of battle, but there's no amount of special abilities that will allow you to overcome a giant honking robot. There are some missions where you have to be on foot, and those, again, tend to be the more frustrating missions that really should have stuck to their guns. This is a game that lacked direction, or at least good direction. Mm. Though both in the story and gameplay, you have a you lot of... You couldn't tell from the trash to your story design. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Please this tell me you can actually skip through those cutscenes. Is there an actual skip button? Please tell me there is, because that sounds so horrible to just have to sit there <laughs> oh Sean so <laughs> there is a skip to the end of the dialogue box button if I recall correctly where you, some, there's like a whole page of dialogue and you can press A to get to the end of it and then press A to get to the next one <laughs> but it's not going to help all that much you're still just and at first you're tempted because you kind of want to know what's going on with the story but then you get halfway through and you realize like I can't even remember the last time I saw this character. Who is this person? I don't, like, I don't know who this... And the voice acting cast of this game is great. Bonnie, my wife, was watching me play this game, and she's hearing voices she recognizes from all these different shows, and it's like, why pay these people all of this money to have them in two minutes of game and then be forgotten about? The only time they show up is when you do missions at certain points, the game will either assign you for the purpose of story or even sometimes just randomly assign you teammates that you're supposed to use to help complete this mission but even then most of the time you're just hearing their pre-recorded voice voice lines you're not getting more characterization out of them it's just the way the game can form a team if you're not playing actual multiplayer mm. it's i hope there's a sequel to this game because i love it and it's a ton of fun um but it needs to 
streamlined. It needs to cut stuff down. Uh, much like an armored core, you have missions you can replay. There are hidden weapons in different missions. Um, you get different... You, you, there are different big bosses. Usually they're in the form of different giant robots, a giant mechanical worm that goes underground, a transforming bird robot. They are way bigger than you. There's like a train, um, some weird purple mix of Gundam Wing and Gundam Epion, but it's giant and it hates you. Uh, <laughs> all these cool bosses, and you can beat those bosses a certain number of times to fill up a bar, which will allow you to build a special weapon. There's a ton of post-game content besides the story. Like I said, I can't recommend this game enough, but it needs to be trimmed down a lot. Mm. And much like Armored Core, it will give you Carpal Tunnel, trying to get the the buttons right completely. I actually decided to play it a bit just before we started this podcast because I hadn't played it in years, and my hands legitimately hurt for five minutes afterwards. Like, mm. I, I'm just massaging them. It's it's rough. You have to stick and move. I was like, I wonder if anybody's still playing. Hopped online, found an online game. Last man standing, beat the enemy. Felt really good. <laughs> nice. Nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not going lie. You had me in the first half, lost me in the second, and won me back at the very last minute with... Uh, that That is a thing that really drives it home is customization, being able to express and just have a blast with it. I'm absolutely like, don't get me wrong. I don't want like gameplay to be too limited by, Oh, it needs to be as real as possible. I'm fine with flying mechs. I love the idea of 3d fighting, being able to fight through space, even with X, Y, and Z axis of, Attack, let me end up having all those options. But please, if you're going to have a story, make it one that I want to listen to. <laughs> and this this sounds like I may need to switch to a different channel while they end up doing their dialogue. Legitimately, it makes me feel like I'm playing Kingdom Hearts with Max. It's a lot. It's oh, a shots lot. fired. <laughs> oh no but that said i like hide i seriously i will buy this game for you it's worth trying i think it was free on the epic's game store epic game store like two weeks ago um oh, i might have to end up picking it up like you've you've got me sold on it yeah but i i, I guarantee you will enjoy it around the story you might Good have luck. to afk a few times you know, <laughs> during that dialogue go make yourself a sandwich do do some chores, whatever. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll fold some laundry while we're right. talking about the yeah. relationship. <laughs> it's like, man, those two really don't seem to like each other. I wonder what's going on with that. You'll never find out. We're going to spend our next 45 minutes of dialogue talking about who the hell cares. <laughs> it's not going to be this, though. Moving on to the next topic. Just constantly moving on to this cast of, God, there have to be 40 characters in this game. And there's just not enough time for that. But you get introduced to them, and you get like one piece of drama, and then it gets dropped like a hot rock, and you're just moving on to blowing something up. Mm. Well, as long as I get to blow stuff up, and in a cool mech, I'm sold. There are points in the game where you have the choice to kill or not to kill somebody, and legitimately, I killed them on the chance that I wouldn't have to have another cutscene with them. I swear (laughs) to God. (laughs) I don't hate this character, but I just... doesn't sound like a decision to me. It just... The more I can trim the cast of this game. <laughs> 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 uh, 
but did you get out of your robot to kill them? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Execute them old west style. Look them right in the eye. <laughs> I never want to get out of my robot. It's risky business. It is. It also has a versus mode, but again, uh, play. It wasn't the most popular game in the world. It was pretty popular when it came out. It got mixed to above average reviews, but mm. there are a few people still playing all nine in both the versus mode and the co-op. The co-op is a blast. Would recommend seven out of ten, six out of ten. If you like Armored Core, it's mm. like a nine out of ten. Oh. Uh, the question is: Will I be able to put enough time into it and enjoy it enough before? February 25th. Uh, yes. Why, what comes out February 25th? Is it Elden Ring? It's Elden Ring. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, God bless from software. Yeah. Looking forward they to that. They provide so many, so many good mech games, so many good difficult games, and they have one and the same with mechs and difficulty. Don't forget their premiere platform puzzle game, Cook The Adventures of Cookie and Cream. I'm not kidding. It's what actually a great game. <laughs> Listen, everybody has to make a mascot platformer on PlayStation in the PlayStation era. And Cookie The Adventures of Cookie and Cream. Solid game. I gotta give it to them. They they have range. I I thought you were trolling me for a second there until I realized you were serious. I was like, oh, I see. Uh. <laughs> I don't joke about cookie and cream, my friend. Some serious business right, right. there. Yeah. My apologies. <laughs> well, anything anything else, gents, before we before we do our outro here? No. Last words um, on the series. Uh, I hope it's not the last words of the series. I'm very much hoping and praying that with all that Miyazaki's done for the company, that he can end up bringing a new life to the Armored Core series, and hopefully, with some lessons learned and from different perspectives, we'll have a brand new game that will end up, hopefully, striking a perfect balance. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, you guys really hyped me up for Armored Core. Like, if I'm hoping they do release a new one, I'd, I'd really love to play it. And hopefully by then, you know, the, uh, well, as long as it's out on PC, I'm fine. Like, I'm okay. If it's like a PlayStation exclusive, I hope, you know, this shortage bullshit is resolved by then, where I can actually, yeah. you know, get a PlayStation reasonably priced. Good or luck. if at all, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. So... I would just say, if you're a fan of the series, or you're just kind of curious... Watch out for Damon X Machina. It is on Switch and PC. I don't know if it's any other platform. I know it's on PC on the Epic Game Store. I don't think it's free anymore, but watch for a sale. Pick it up. If you like the gameplay, if you're patient, uh, I think you'll get a lot out of it, and I think it'll be good prep work for Armored Core. It's not as difficult as Armored Core necessarily, although I see people having various amounts of trouble depending on your build, but play around with stuff. It's a ton of fun. Don't lock yourself in a box at the beginning because you find missiles work best right now or machine guns work best right now. Open mind. Free your mind. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this one out because Sean, I felt like drew a line in the sand earlier, and I was like really, really amused. What what was it, Sean? You were like the the two styles of gameplay. Oh, um, the arcadey kind of virtual on style versus the simulation steel battalion style. Yes, virtual on versus steel battalion. That's what I want to see. I want to see a riot of comments. <laughs> let's let's start a war between those two fan bases. I want to see it. I'm just going to drink whiskey and watch it burn, and we'll all have a great time. Don't get me Listeners. wrong, there's room for both, but for me, there's a point Absolutely. where realism... Absolutely. There's no such yeah. thing as a giant mech. It doesn't have to be that realistic. Bring it bring it down a little. You gotta find the power. No, I want my windshield wipers. All right. <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of blood and oil flying around here, bro. You gotta have those windshield wipers, all right? <laughs> That's fair. There is. Uh but hey. at least a virtual on crew. They won't run out of fuel like you will in steel battalion. Exactly. That's right. They're not worried about That's their right. fuel. They're just uh. shooting lasers. <laughs> Well, hey, hi! Thanks for coming on, man. Hope you and I hope you had fun. It was good to have you on for a for a first go here, Sean. Pleasure's always. Listeners, I'm not fucking around, man. Leave some comments. Start a war. I don't care what you do. Let's let's blow it up. Give me a like, subscribe, and until the next one, game on. Game on. Game on.